When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast is fueled by Cody Rhodes and recorded in the Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Studio. Yo, welcome into another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It's Friday, January 6th, 2023. We've got another big weekend of Big 12 men's basketball coming up here starting on Saturday. Uh, Iowa State going to go on the road and play TCU. As always, Corner 3 brought to you by our friends at Mechdyne. Uh, check them out. Learn more about them at mechdyne.com. Uh, look at check out their career page. Uh, it would be a wonderful company if you're looking for a new job. If you're in the technology space, the engineering space, make sure and check out Mechdyne uh, at mechdyne.com right now. Also, the presenting sponsor of the Williams and Bloom co- podcast. Speaking to Chris Williams, we're going to hear from him a little bit later on in the program. He caught up with Iowa State women's basketball assistant coach Billy Fennelly ahead of their games this weekend or their game this weekend coming off their first two Big 12 games. We'll hear a little bit more about the Iowa State women and get an update on their team going into into the weekend after a 2-0 Big 12 start. Uh, but let's talk about the men first. Iowa State 2-0 in the Big 12 after a win on the road in Norman over Oklahoma on Wednesday. Uh, got TCU down in Fort Worth on Saturday at 1 p.m. tip. The Horn Frogs on Ken Palm favored to win 67-63. to uh, A team playing at a really, really high level right now after – you know, struggling early on in the season. You know, they had the one-point win over Arkansas Pine Bluff in, in game number one. Uh, then the, lo- the one-point loss to Northwestern State on November 14th. But, man, since then, they've been one of the hottest teams in the country. The nation's fourth-longest winning streak, active winning streak at 11 games right now uh, with wins over Iowa, Providence, SMU, uh, Utah, Texas Tech, and Baylor. The, the one over Baylor on Wednesday, uh, an absolute classic down in Waco, an 88 to 87 game where I was, or where TCU got a fantastic performance from Mike Miles, the preseason Big 12 Player of the Year, uh, one of the best players in the country, one of the best shooting guards in all of uh, in the Big 12. And, and there's a reason that he was, you know, obviously preseason Player of the Year in the league, and and someone who will have a great chance to to win that award here uh as the season moves along i think you know i think the big thing with with mike miles that's going to be so important for iowa state going into this game is is he's done a really great job of being able to push the pace for for tcu he does a great job of getting downhill and being able to get to the rim he's shooting almost 70 percent from inside the three-point line so far during these two big 12 games shooting almost 65 percent from inside the two-point line or the inside the three-point line on the season Uh, he's just a really efficient player once he's able to get into the paint he's able to make things happen he's able to put the ball in the bucket and they've got a couple guys like that that can really uh that can really put the ball in the in the hole you know you've got Damian Ba who uh sat out the early portion of the season because of a suspension uh due to NCAA violations uh and he's and he's scoring in double figures in all but two games since he came back in one two three four five 
six, seven, eight. So he scored in double figures in six out of the eight games that TCU has played since he returned. Uh, isn't shooting the ball at a very high level. This team isn't shooting the ball at a very high level from behind the three-point line. But, man, they've got some guys who can really put it in the basket from inside the paint. We all know about Big Eddie, especially the people who have been listening to this podcast for a long time. Eddie's been banged up throughout this year. Uh, you know, it had 15 points, nine rebounds the other night against Baylor. Seemed like he really got back to his old self. I think we all know when Eddie Lampkin is playing at a high level, he's as good as any big man in, in college basketball, I think, and is someone who is just a, an absolute physical force in the middle of the paint uh, for this TCU team. And I think, you know, the thing that I think people are going to remember when they watch TCU on Saturday, I mean, all of these guys that are playing are guys that we know. Texas was or TCU was third in the country in minutes continuity from last year, uh, behind only Penn State and Kennesaw State, uh, or I guess actually behind only Tulane and Kennesaw State. Those are a couple of random teams to to be behind, but uh, TCU with with more minutes continuity than any other team in the Power Five. They're a veteran team. They just have a bunch of guys who have played a bunch of basketball that have done it at a really high level. We saw what they did in the NCAA tournament a year ago, pushing Arizona uh, all the way to the brink in that game. And they are, they're a team that I felt coming into the season had a great chance to uh, compete to win the Big 12 to compete to, to make a deep run into the NCAA tournament and potentially go to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. And uh, I think that they're showing that potential now after really struggling early on in the year uh, just with some injuries and and obviously with Damian Boss suspension and things like that. It required Mike Miles really uh, putting this team on this, his back and, and carrying them through the finish line. Like I said, you know, they're not shooting the ball well from deep, 28.8% from three-point range. Uh, but they're also a team that does not shoot a ton of three-pointers. And that'll be one thing that I think will be interesting to follow throughout this game is, you know, how many, you know, how many of the Iowa States or how often can Iowa State force this team to shoot three-pointers? You know, because I think that that's something um, we've seen throughout this entire year is that when Iowa State is able to force teams into difficult shots from the perimeter, for, into difficult shots from around the mid-range, tough contested jumpers, that's when we've seen Iowa State's defense really be at its best. And this is a TCU team that's going to make a very concerted effort to attack the rim. They're really going to try and get in the paint. you got to figure out a way to be able to create some turnovers in those scenarios. This is a team that doesn't turn the ball over at a high rate. They're 20th in the country in turnover percentage. But then on the other side, you know, they turn the ball, they turn teams over at a really at a, at a high rate, not a, a rate as high as what Iowa State does, uh, but pretty close. They're 15th in the country in opposing turnover percentage. Um, and then they, they prevent teams from scoring in the paint, which is easy to understand when you consider some of the personnel that they've got, especially a guy like Eddie Lampkin that can be the, um, you know, be kind of that that centerpiece for you uh, down in the in the lane. Um and then teams don't shoot a high percentage against them from three either. I mean, they're 47th in the country uh, in opposing three-point defense. They don't foul at a high rate. Uh, they just do a really good job of being really solid, and they've got really good personnel uh, that can give you a lot of trouble. And you know, then you look at, at what they're able to do on the glass. They're one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the country. Eddie Lampkin is one of the best offensive rebounders in all of college basketball. This is going to be, I think, one of the big – 
the big points to keep an eye on throughout this game is how well can Iowa State not only force TCU into difficult shots, but how well can then they close out those possessions. You go and get the board. You don't give them second opportunities, and you don't give them uh, more chances to score when you know what the firepower of this team already is. They're going to play fast, much faster than uh, than what Oklahoma did the other night, and that's going to be where Iowa State's going to have to come out with physicality, we're going to come out and have to figure out uh, a way to dictate the pace, be active defensively, force TCU into some situations that they don't want to be in, force them into some shots that they don't want to be in, and figure out a way uh, to really control the pace of the game on Saturday down in Fort Worth. I think if the Cyclones are able to control that pace of the game, if they're able to hold TCU off the glass and they're able to force them into tough contested shots, the Cyclones are going to give themselves an opportunity to win the game. But that obviously is easier said than done when you're playing against one of the best teams uh, in the Big 12. Uh, I do want to talk about Iowa State's offense for just a little bit here uh, before I turn the page to some of these other games around the Big 12. Uh, I thought it was interesting to note in these last two games, Iowa State's posted an offensive efficiency rating uh, adjusted offensive efficiency rating of 114.4 and 114.5 uh, against Baylor in Oklahoma. Uh, just for reference, I mean, those two numbers would rank, uh, okay, adjusted offensive efficiency, uh, 114.4. Uh, Iowa State's output against Baylor would rank 14th in the country, right behind Kansas. And 114.5, again, is, is right there with Kansas in that same range. Uh that means that over these last two games, Iowa State's offense has been playing at a very high level, much higher than what I think anybody would have expected them to. And this is now three games in a row that they've played at a level like that, 112.2 against West, uh, Western Michigan. Those are no numbers to sneeze at. And I think you're seeing where Iowa State's offense is starting to come together when this group is able to hit shots. They're able to play offense at a very high level. Now, obviously, it's only two games. It's a small sample size. How do you string that together? How do you keep that going? Because, I mean, if you can maintain even near that pace right now, Iowa State will have not only a top 100 offense by the end of the season, but would probably have a top 75 or top 50 offense uh, by the end of the season. And then when you couple that with what Iowa State has been able to do on the defensive end, maybe not as elite as what they were a year ago on that end, but man, they're still really freaking good uh, at being able to keep other teams from scoring. Uh, again, I don't think that 114 adjusted offensive ratings are probably uh, are probably a sustainable thing for Iowa State uh, here as this season moves along. But man, I don't think there's any reason that this offense, with the way that they share the ball, when these guys are able to knock down shots, and you're just seeing the balance of this team continuing to prove week after week, where more and more guys are getting comfortable, more and more guys are starting to uh, understand what their role is, they're starting to understand the level of aggression that you have to play with in the Big 12. I thought you saw that Wednesday night from Oshun, uh, Oshunib when he was able to uh, you know score seven early points against Tanner Groves. He was active on both ends of the floor. I thought that was his best game as a Cyclone. And as you continue to get growth from guys like him, uh, I think you can ex expect to see more, a little bit more efficiency from Jaron Holmes as this season goes along. And then when you've got, you know, when you've got Caleb Grill shooting the way that he has been shooting over these last, over this last week, I mean, really over these last couple weeks, uh, then this Iowa State offense's ceiling, this Iowa State team's ceiling, uh, raises significantly. I just think that this offense is going to continue to play at a much more efficient 
rate than maybe we ever expected them to coming into the season. Now, like I said, I don't think Iowa State's got a top 15 offense. I just threw those numbers out there because I wanted people to understand uh, how high level Iowa State's offense has been through these first two games. Again, I don't expect that to be sustainable, but I do expect Iowa State's offense uh, to continue to play at a much higher level than what we got used to them playing at last year while continuing to play at a really high level on the defensive end. And those facts are going to give Iowa State an opportunity to go into any game that they play and have a chance to win. Whether that game is on the road, whether that game is at Hilton Coliseum, the Cyclones will give themselves an opportunity to be able to win the game purely on their defense. And if they can add in a really highly efficient offense, that's all of a sudden where you start thinking about a Big Twelve or a team that could win ten Big Twelve games, eleven Big Twelve games, twelve Big uh, Big Twelve games, and be in a position to compete at the very top of the league, get a nice seed in Kansas City, and get a really good seed in the NCAA tournament. All right, let's look at some of these other games going on across the Big Twelve, uh, starting at eleven a.m. On Saturday, Texas going on the road to Oklahoma State. Uh, Texas, according to Ken Palm, is a one-point favorite in that game in Stillwater, 71-70. to uh, Longhorns looking to bounce back after a, a really tough performance Tuesday night uh, against Kansas State, a 116-103 to loss in Austin, uh, where Kansas State, you know, I think really made a statement as to what Jerome Tang's team is, is going to be capable of as the season continues. Obviously, this will also be Texas's first game after they announced the firing of Chris Beard. Uh, something I think had to be expected. I think that this was probably the only possibility that could be landed upon if you're uh, if you're looking at at what Texas was going to do in the in the aftermath of his uh, third degree felony assault arrest last month. Uh, there's going to be people who don't like it. I know. I already know there's people who don't like it because I've voiced my opinion and people have uh, have pushed back on it. But I just I think that people need to remember how difficult it would have been for Chris Beard to walk back into that locker room, uh, to walk into a living room and sit down with a mother and uh, and you know trying to recruit her son, uh, sit down with a, a recruit sister in the room or anything like that, and sit there and and say with a straight face that they're going to try and he's going to be the one uh, to teach their young men or teach their child the difference between right and wrong and and show him how it is to be. A good man and that's nothing against Chris Beard I I only briefly know Chris Beard I know I've jokingly made said things about Chris Beard uh, in the past you know me and him have had a handful of conversations over the years in his time in the Big 12 I never came away from him feeling like Chris Beard was necessarily a bad person but uh, I think that Chris Beard had one bad night and that you know unfortunately one bad night is enough to uh, to to derail some things as we've clearly learned over the years and uh, this game on Saturday I think that this is a big one for Oklahoma State where they've got to be able to get, you know, they've got to be able to string some momentum here together. They got a big win uh, at home on Monday against West Virginia, 67 to 60 in that game. Uh, it, but this one is going to be a, a little bit different kind of animal. Uh, now that I'm looking at this, I realize that Oklahoma State is actually the one-point favorite in this game. So I apologize. I, was, I guess I was wrong before. But um, I, I think I would probably lean towards Oklahoma State in this game. But it also wouldn't shock me if Texas came out with a renewed focus uh, and just you know played a little bit better ball, especially after what happened on Tuesday against Kansas State. I think that the, that group has to be pretty embarrassed by uh, – 
by what happened in that game. And I, I would not be surprised if they came out with the, with the idea of setting the tone and improving to people that that is not the team that you can expect to see moving forward from the Texas Longhorns with the amount of talent that they have, even if, after everything uh, that happened with Chris Beard. Uh, so I think the Cowboys win that one, a close one, but it wouldn't surprise me at all uh, to see Texas also go on the road and get a win and, and really right that ship. And, you know, now that they've been able to put some of these things behind them, uh, a five o'clock tip, out in Morgantown, Kansas going on the road to West Virginia. Uh, Kansas is a one-point favorite on Ken Palm in this game, 72-71. to 71. West Virginia is a weird team. They're a team that uh, the metrics really fell in love with. They got some good wins early on in the season. Not only good wins, but they killed some teams. You know, I think that was the thing that – uh, you know, that really pushed them up. I think they were – yeah, got as high as 18 on Ken Palm uh, going into Big 12 play. You know, two close losses here to, to start, start the Big 12 – Lost 82-76 on the road at Kansas State in overtime. And then a 67, the, the aforementioned 67-60 loss to uh, Oklahoma State. I think Kansas' team is is, a, is really, really good. It would require West Virginia probably shooting the lights out of the ball in this game for, uh, for West Virginia to be able to get a win. I expect Kansas to go on the road, handle their business. It'll probably be close. I mean, most of these Big 12 games, I think, are going to be close all the way through the very end. Uh, but I think that Kansas will do enough to uh, pull out a win, as it, they seem to so often do uh, throughout Big 12 play over the years. Uh, Baylor, 0-2 in an unfamiliar situation. Uh, they're hosting Kansas State. The Wildcats playing as well as anybody in the country right now. I think you could say Jerome Tang is uh, has to be the front runner for Big 12 Coach of the Year, if not National Coach of the Year. Uh, Scott Drew's team, a five-point favorite in this game, according to Kempom, 77-72. to 72. I think that uh, this will be another good opportunity for this team to to right the ship. You're at home, you know. Kansas State's going to be riding the high from uh, from that game the other night against uh, against Texas. You know, can Baylor come out and set a tone early? Can you get some shots knocked down uh, and give yourself a be able to chance a chance to be able to win the game? Because you can't you can't start 0 three in this league if you're a team like Baylor, who we all know what their standard is. They want to win Big 12 championships. They think they should be competing to win Big 12 championships. You start 0-3. You've dug yourself a significant hole uh, in, in that goal and trying to accomplish that and, and be able to get a really good seed in the NCAA tournament and give yourself a chance to make a deep run in March. All right, the last Big 12 game tips at 6 o'clock. Texas Tech at home hosting Oklahoma. Uh, Tech looking for their first win of Big 12 play. Oklahoma also looking for their first win of Big 12 play. This is a must win for Texas Tech, I think you could say, uh, a team that needs a quality win, needs it. Like they, there's, I don't know that there's a team in the league that is in more dire need of a win than what Texas Tech is right now, because those, you know, that team can certainly slip in perception very quickly. I think just when you look at what they've done, I've written about this multiple times. I know we've talked about it. You look at what Texas Tech has done so far this season. You know, they don't have a single quality win. The, in all of the quality games they've played, all the A-tier games on Ken, Ken Palm that they've played, they are 0-4. Uh, this will be a B-tier game, uh, so it won't be a quad one win, but it will certainly uh, be one that would be high quality for, for this program. Uh, Oklahoma, you know, they're going to be looking to avoid that 0-3 start as well, but I would lean towards a home team. I think Mark Adams' Texas Tech squad comes out again and gets a win in this one. They played really well down the stretch on Tuesday against Kansas in a 75-72 to loss. I'd expect them to carry that over. And then they're going to come to, to Ames on Tuesday, and we'll get a nice close look up at this team at Hilton Coliseum Tuesday evening uh, in another big Big 12 battle against Iowa State. So 
look forward to that game tomorrow at uh, at one o'clock we're going to do the cyclone fanatic pregame show probably around 12 30 uh you guys can tune into that I, I think chris has a family christmas but i, I know that he's going to try and, and be involved in that if he can if not it'll be me and connor ferguson we'll break down the game uh right before tip off and give you guys our final predictions what we think will happen uh in that contest down in fort worth all right that's enough for the big 12 men's basketball we're going to toss this thing off now to billy fennelly and chris williams they're going to break down some iowa state women's hoops here on corner three on the cyclone fanatic podcast network all right guys fired up for a big one on sunday with the iowa state women one of the i would call it one of the key road trips of the big season here is the women are 2-0 two o'clock on sunday espn2 a couple of top 25 teams going at it iowa state at oklahoma i want to talk to Assistant coach Billy Finley now to preview this game and also look back at the first couple of games in conference season. What's up, coach? It's good to be 2-0. and Welcome. It, it is. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate it. It's uh, good or bad. I don't know. It's, it's great to be 2-0, and uh, and we haven't made a shot yet. So I guess we'll take it <laughs> as a positive, and uh, hopefully we'll, we're going to need to find a, get the lid off here come Sunday because one thing we know is Oklahoma's going to score. And uh, we're just going to have to keep scoring with them. It should be an entertaining game. Great game for TV on ESPN2 Sunday. So um, we, know what we're, we know what we're in for. We're excited uh, to start 2-0. But uh, we're, we're entering, uh, you know, back-to-back Sundays, uh, two huge road trips, obviously flanked with the Kansas State at home who's playing really well. So it, there's never a night off. Uh, you already know that. But we're excited and we're, we're ready to get after it. Coach was joking about the um, halftime locker room speech the other night against West Virginia, and then we'll, we'll get into Oklahoma. But or, like all joking aside, you outscore West Virginia twenty to four in the third quarter. They only scored nine points in the fourth quarter. So I mean, you you, you held a a good basketball team to thirteen points in one half of basketball. What what was the key to that? Hey, you know, I think uh, we really challenged our kids at halftime, and really more than anything, and you know, this is this is a sign of a a mature Hall of Fame great coach to go in at halftime and say, you know what, I think I've overthought this. We're done playing zone. We're hmm. we played a lot of zone in the first half. Um, they're a team that hasn't shot the ball great all year long. A lot of people did zone them, and you know, as much as people look at us, and probably more so for the history. We have played a lot of zone back in the day. The last five to six years, we really haven't played that much. Uh, we've been a very much a you know soft pack line, personnel type defense, uh, man to man. And at halftime, he said, "Look, we're gonna we're no more excuses on who's going where, who's who's supposed to be guarding this spot in the zone. This is who you have. Guard them one on one." And I thought our kids did a great job of that. Uh, really knowing the scouting report and what they wanted to do, and I mean. Uh, up until I think the first 18 minutes of the second half, they had six points in the second half. They scored seven in the last two minutes, and they only scored 13 total. So, uh, obviously, some of that comes with them missing some shots that they hit in the first half. You know, that happens. But I thought we really, really bought in. And for a team that's probably a little quicker than us, a little bit more athletic in some spots, for us to, to get in a stance and, and guard them one-on-one uh, was something that's very encouraging. And I think that's the one thing in the first two games and we gave up 50 to West Virginia. We gave up 58 to Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. Again, probably not two of the absolute most elite offenses in our league, but teams that were scoring mid-70s 
you know, gotten in the eighties a few times. So you hold anybody under 60, uh, you know, maybe some of that mojo on the other side of the building's rubbing off on us a little bit, uh, playing a little <laughs> bit of defense over here. Well, hopefully you can pass some of the shooting on to them. Uh, we'll just share, share a little bit of that. Um, Let's look at Oklahoma. The thing that stands out to me is it's been a few years since I've I've done play-by-play for you guys. But what stands out to me about Oklahoma is just a couple of women at the top of their um, box scores that I remember calling their games as freshmen. And it just the, – the league is on both the men and the women's side. I think what's just fascinating about this league is how old it is. And, you know, Oklahoma's – undergone a coaching change in the last few years and I, th- I think their overall talent's better but man it all kind of uh lanusa williams and robertson man they, it feels like they've all been there forever that's an experienced team on on sunday they have been there forever uh <laughs> they, all three of those kids are six-year seniors and you just don't see that very often uh, you know uh, which is why they're really good uh you know in this day and age when a coach takes over to get all those kids to stay is first of all, a credit to Jenny and, uh, you know, recruiting those kids and not, not having them go into the portal right away. Because like you said, I mean, those were, those are Sherry Cole's kids that, that she recruited, that she coached for a few years and, and are now finishing their careers with Jenny and had a great year last year. Lanusa was hurt all year last year and now she's back. And uh, they're playing at a really high level mixed in with a couple other kids that, that uh, Jenny had recruited. So, um, yeah, like you said, we think we're old and, uh, and we are, you know, I'm sure people say the same thing about Ashley Jones yeah. when they keep seeing her name pop up, but uh, the Oklahoma's definitely uh, got to have the most experienced big 12 team um, in terms of kids that have played big 12 games. So uh, we know what we're, we know what we're getting ourselves into. All three of those kids can go out and get 30 at any game. Um, they they all have at some point this year gotten 30 in a different game. Um, they they score in the high 80s, low 90s. I think they're like the fourth best offense in the country. Um, so, like I said, we're going to have to get up and down. We played really well against them twice last year. Um, we like the matchup. We like we like the ability to go up and down with them. We haven't uh, shied away from that. We usually like to have more possessions, the better. So, um, I know our girls are excited and. Uh, It'll be a big game. They're coming off a loss, a home loss that I know they, they weren't real happy about. So they'll be more than ready, but uh, so will we. Feels like to me, Coach, if I had to, you know, when I saw your Big 12 schedule come out, if I had to circle a key stretch of three games, there's there's a couple stretches that would pop for me. You know, there's another one coming up uh, in, in in middle of February but I, I feel like if you're setting the tone for this year, trying to win a regular season championship, isn't this stretch at Oklahoma, Kansas State, and Hilton on Wednesday, and then at Texas a week from Sunday? Man, this feels like a really important three games if you're trying to reach that goal. Yeah, I think you're right, Chris. And I mean, it, it happens to be early on, you know. When I mean, you look already, we've played we've, we've played two games, and I'm sure it's the same can be said on the men's side. I haven't really looked at it that closely, but. You got four teams that are 0 and 2, and you got four teams that are 2 and 0. Yeah, you're already two games back. Uh, four teams are already two games back, two games into it. And obviously, you, you know, I'm no math major, but <laughs> every Wednesday and every Saturday slash Sunday, five teams are going to win and five teams are going to lose. And uh, that's what we're telling our players is, 
and we really buy into that every single one because we're going to look at your phone on the way home on the plane ride home and be like, Oh my goodness, they beat them or they beat. I mean, it's crazy. It's conference play. So you can only take care of the one game that you have. Texas Tech game, the West Virginia game are just as important as the next game when it, when it comes to adding a number to the left side, but you're exactly right. Obviously Oklahoma and Texas, uh, I think are, are two of the teams that will be in that top, you know, third by the time the year's done. So when you get a chance to play them early and, and obviously, I, I like that we're on the road, both of them right away. Yeah. Um, we designed our non-conference schedule that way. Every single one of our really, really tough non-conference games was the exception of Columbia, and obviously it would have been Drake, but we didn't play them. Um, we're on a neutral site or on the road. And, uh, you know, so we feel like we're as prepared to go on the road as anybody uh, early on in this non- in this uh, conference season. So, um We'll see. Both Sunday games, both ESPN2, um, the Big 12 did them a favor, and they get to play a Tuesday both those weeks. So they get an extra day off before we travel to them to play them. But that's all right. We'll, we'll be ready for that. All right. So um, what's the scout coming up on Oklahoma? We know the type of team that they are. But uh, defensively, I guess, um, I mean, that's a really good shooting team. Do you play more, man? Uh, coming up on Sunday, what's the what's the game plan of, of slowing down the Sooners? Yeah, I mean, I would assume we'd be we'd be mostly in a man to man. I mean, you got to just try your best. They, they really run. They really try to get a shot up within the first seven seconds, seven or eight seconds. Um, so we got to get back in transition. We got to find Robertson. We got to find Maddie Williams right away, um, and then try to try to keep him off the free throw line. You know, Maddie Williams shot sixteen free throws against Baylor. That's how they won. Uh, they got Baylor in foul trouble. So. If we can make them hit contested twos, you know, try to run them off the three-point line the best you can. Again, you're talking about a team that made 14 threes again at West Virginia in their first conference game. So they're going to make them. You know, you're not going to shut Robertson out. She shoots too many of them. She's too good. Uh, she's made more three-pointers than any player in the history of women's basketball, uh, women's college basketball. So, again, you're not going to shut her out. Um, but just make it hard on her. And uh, I, think, uh, I think we got the kids. Uh, that have the ability to do that. Uh, we've done that in the past, and uh, it just keep them just a little bit off balance. And then, more importantly for us, is we got to keep scoring. You know, we got to be in the 80s. Um, last year, I think we were 81 there. We scored 89 here. Um, we're not going to win this game if it's in the 70s because they're just uh, their their offense is too good, um, and our offense has the ability to be really, really good. Hopefully, the lid comes off. We see the ball go in the basket quite a few times, and. Uh, you know, it'll be an entertaining game on TV and, uh, you know, take the over and let's see the ball go in the basket. <laughs> Last thing um, is, I don't, I don't even know, uh, just for the casual fans out there, they may not even realize that Ashley's sister, Aubrey Jones, who, who played for us last year, is is down at Oklahoma now. She's averaging almost six points per game, playing about 15 minutes per game. Uh, not not really a, a basketball story here for me, Coach, but it, it, it is interesting. I'm sure this is the first time in uh, Coach Finley's illustrious career that uh, you, you face a scenario, not only a, a transfer, you see those kids play again, but the sister of a girl on the court. What will that be like? Yeah, it'll be interesting. I don't you know. I mean, the way the Jones family is, uh, nothing really bothers him. So <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure we will see much difference from either of them, uh, you know, Obviously, we have great respect for the family, and uh, and I know a lot of all of our kids still stay in touch. And um, you know, for various reasons, she felt like that was a better fit for her. And 
she's making she's making contri- contributions. She'll be in the game. Um, hopefully, we have a scouting report on her. I mean, I can tell you this. <laughs> hopefully, she doesn't get a hopefully she doesn't get a great look on us. Uh, we've seen that before, but um, you know, or it would be like an NBA game where they guard each other and each let each other score a bunch. You know, I don't know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> but um, you know, I, I imagine with that family and the way that they're wired, and, and most of our fans realize that uh, you won't see much of a difference and. Then they'll give each other a hug I, and a pat on the back after the game and, I, yeah. and move on. Knowing that family, I feel like it's going to be a pretty intense showdown. I'm looking forward to it. So, thanks, Coach. Appreciate it. We'll, the, what was that, man? Go ahead. Sounds good, Chris. I appreciate it, buddy. Go Cyclones. <laughs> yeah, go Cyclones. We'll talk to you next week, all right? All right. Hey, that, that's Billy Finley, uh, Iowa State women, 2 o'clock, coming up on Sunday, taking on Oklahoma. You can watch that game on ESPN2. That is a big game. That will be fun if you like scoring. Uh, Jenny Bronchick, of course, the former Drake coach with a lot of Central Iowa and Iowa past. She is the head coach. Uh, And then the Aubrey Jones factor. Lock in 2 o'clock coming up on Sunday. All right, Mechdyne presents Corner 3 here on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Thanks to Billy Fennelly for joining us today. For Jared Stansberry, my name is Chris Williams. Uh, I'm Brent Bloom as well, signing off here on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network.